Good morning, everyone. This is Good Medicine is Cheaper Medicine. And today, this is Shelley Wrench with Gabriel Cancer Center, along with Dr. Gabriel with the Gabriel Cancer Center. And I want to remind our listeners that today's episode, along with all of our prior episodes, are available on our website, GabrielCancerCenter.com. Today's topic is a very interesting topic and um, could be a positive or negative. And we want to kind of dig through different sides of this topic, which is either medical marketing or healthcare advertising. And I just want to let the, the listeners know that it's only in the U.S. that pharmaceutical companies are allowed to advertise their product claims. I the US, did not know the that. U.S. and New Zealand, Canada, they're allowed to talk. They are allowed to mention their product name or an indication, but not in the same program. They cannot advertise on TV or radio. The rest of the countries, and they're banned to advertise any pharmaceutical um, products. That's extreme. That's almost uh, resurrection of uh, Lenin and Stalin in the Soviet Union. Because that's that that's absolutely against any 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 marketing uh, <clears throat> uh, any marketing freedom. I mean, a free market by definition is your freedom to make people aware of your product. Shall I honestly thought that the program today will be a little bit more of um, to be careful and cautious about what you see and hear on TV or in newspapers about marketing drugs. Now, you just, you just made me think twice about, <laughs> do I really want to do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a, there, it's such a big thing in the U.S. that there's actually an acronym. It's Direct-to-Consumer Pharmaceutical Advertising, DTCPA. And it's it's heavily regulated, and there's a whole list of what you can and cannot do, even though the products and the indications could be in the same commercial. But we have a lot of commercials I want to discuss and and, um, get your ideas on, both clinical and my side on the economics and politically. You know, Shelley, before you go there, um, you know ASCO, the American Society of Clinical Oncology? Right. That we all go to, usually Chicago or uh, Atlanta or wherever. When you go to the uh, area, the exhibit area, where there are the fabulous booths, um, I mean, you talk about drug companies spending uh, tens of thousands of dollars to design a booth. And when you go there, there are areas, there are special booths for American physicians and others for the the Non-American. Ones, Non-American, basically from the... <laughs> basically European. <laughs> right? Very true. Yeah. And, 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 and the reason... And I know, like, in fact, in the old days, our booths, meaning the American booth, oh my gosh, you will find all these nice drinks, and in the evenings they will have some wine, and there will be some snacks. Of course, thanks to Ted Kennedy and his fellow liberals, they thought that when the drug company will... Uh, give me a cup of coffee that they will buy my conscience and I will uh, prescribe a drug that I really don't like but because the drug company bought me a cup of coffee anyway. So now there is more restriction even on the American side. I agree and and that's a whole other episode talking about how those cup of coffees are now spent on you and where it's 
located. Yeah, we will not touch that one today. That's a whole whole different thing in itself. Correct. Um, uh, The first one I want to talk about is Cologuard, the advertising for Cologuard. Yeah, you know what? When I when I saw that ad the first time, I thought they were talking about a toothpaste. Colgate, Get go gone. <laughs> then I realized it was actually checking fecal material for Cologuard. I said, "Wow, that's the other end." Uh, <laughs> right. So Cologuard, in essence, is is a really nice technology. In essence, it is detecting tiny fragments of mutated DNA in the stool, <clears throat> right? Um, to make it simple, it's, um, it's almost like when, when, when people take your blood or your saliva and check for your ancestry, you know, the ancestry.com. Yeah. Now, the color guard is more simple and more limited. It only detects specific mutations. Now, what does that mean? Well, if there is a cancerous tumor growing inside the lumen of the colon. Naturally, some cells will be shed into the fecal material. Right? Okay. As soon as cells are shed, they will get disintegrated or digested. But some fragments of that DNA still survive to the, to the end of the... To the end of the road. To the end of the road. <laughs> right, right, that road. And the idea is, what what the idea is, of course, you detect those mutations, and those mutations can tell uh, uh, the, whether there is cancer there or not. Not sure of the accuracy uh, in 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 statistics. We call it specificity and sensitivity, meaning sensitivity is how often do you actually detect the mutation when there is cancer and the specificity is how often a positive result actually means there is cancer and they are not 100%. So is that why, and I'm not sure with the Cologuard, are there three tests like we do, the three testing? No, just one. Just one. Just one. Just one. The idea is if there is shedding, it will happen all the time. The problem I have with this commercial, besides the name being not nice, uh, uh, the whole problem I have with it is is why I, I realize technology is awesome and we need to depend more and more on, on DNA technology. But colonoscopy is actually much better and not that expensive. So I think yeah, I the prep is not fun. And the prep is not fun. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. But, you know, Shale, in my, in my recent book, um, uh, the the cancer gene. I do explain. Um, and by the way, whoever wants to buy cancer gene, it's on Amazon. I explain in the book that colonoscopy serves actually two purposes: one, to detect colon cancer early, and second, to prevent colon cancer. And how do you prevent it? Well, we know that every single colon cancer starts in a polyp, a benign polyp. But that benign polyp has acquired some nasty mutations and he or she is just waiting for another mutation to declare itself being the arch enemy, cancer. So, when you do colonoscopy and when when the gastroenterologists see the polyp, when they snare it out, you actually eliminated 
the chance for that polyp to become malignant. In call guard, you actually detect the malignancy after it had happened. And it's not that cheap. I, I don't know. I just think that this is a distraction from doing what is right, which is colonoscopy at the age of 50, unless you have a family history, then you do it at the age of 30, whatever it is. And when you do it, if there is a polyp, you have to repeat it every two years. And that's the way we should do it. Right. So Colin Guard kind of brings up another TV advertisement that's not really related to the healthcare. It's the monitoring. So really, Colin Guard is like, you know, that one um, advertisement says, oh, you have a nasty, nasty cavity. I'm going to lunch. So it's like finding it, but not really taking care of it while you're there. So Cologuard versus colonoscopy is kind of the same thing. You detect it, but you, you, you're doing a colonoscopy. You detected it, there's a polyp, and you're actually preventing it. So that TV yeah. ad kind of just came in the forefront of my mind. Is that Yeah, the TV ad about the dentist who said, the guy came and he... It's just the monitor. He puts a big gag, and he said, I only monitor it, and he kept the, the gag in the patient's mouth, and he left, he said, it's my lunchtime. It's right. kind of cute. Yeah. Uh, uh, Shall a very good analogy that to detect cancer is good. To detect it very early is very good. To prevent it is the ultimate bingo. goal. This is a bingo, right? The mm. next ad I want to bring up, um, Opdivo, the new immunotherapy. When uh, This is probably the, well, I can't say it's the biggest direct-to-consumer advertising, but it, it was a, it's, it was about a new, a whole new arena for cancer treatment, being immunotherapy. It was the first one out there. So I remember when, when it first came out, you were a, really upset that the direct-to-consumer was going on because now the patients were coming in and saying, well, I, believe, I saw this TV on this, this ad on TV, and it's got to be, I have to be able to have it for my disease, not knowing that it was only for specific diseases. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do, and I do remember I was a little bit perturbed. Uh, not, I am never perturbed when people exercise their right to speak and speak the way they want. I think, I think those of us who refrain from speaking their minds are, are being a little bit uh, disingenuous. My concern was that when we are very aggressive in advertising to patients... I respect that right, but my concern um, and frustration would be the limited information you provide to people who have very limited knowledge about the disease. So the public, their knowledge about cancer is limited. That's why we have two radio shows try to, uh, to educate the public. So when you bombard them with some fancy wordings and phrases um, then they come to the office, and instead of talking about what's tangible for them, instead of talking about their prognosis, you end up being distracted into talking about something that has no relevance. Give it Optiva. Um, somebody might mis- misunderstand that it is for all cancers. So a lady with lymphoma will come and say, oh, this immunotherapy, well, uh, it doesn't work well. The TV says that. Just think about that time wasted and the distraction created. I agree. I wasn't upset about them exercising their freedom to speak, which is the first or second amendment is the first. When you speak and when you, when you shoot. All right. The first amendment. 
right. Yeah, if the first one doesn't work, then go for the second one. If the one. first one doesn't work, <laughs> then you go for the second one. <laughs> oh, be careful. <laughs> All right, the next one. This goes back in history a long ways. Vioxx. Yeah. And re- this, this, this kind of brings to the forefront when there's major marketing, advertising for a very, very new drug, and yet maybe not all the side effects have been reported through the clinical trials or seen through post-clinical trials. I want your feedback on that. Um, it is a very, very, very good uh, topic, the Viox. I call it the Viox debacle. In fact, I gave a talk about this, remember, three years ago in the, in the Senate building in Washington, D.C., uh, about the problem with design of clinical trials and so on. And Vioxx was a good example I brought in that talk. Um, Vioxx was, the clinical trial done on Vioxx was patients with arthritis. They were randomized into either Vioxx or something else, whatever they chose, Right. Uh, when you do clinical trials like we do every single day in our center, the patients that we enroll in the clinical trials are highly selected, highly chosen patients. So when you when when, when the trial with Vioxx was done, if somebody had heart attack in the last six months, no go. They cannot be in the trial. If somebody is diabetic and their kidney function is wishy-washy, they cannot be on the trial. If somebody has heart failure, of course you don't, because Vioxx can potentially cause fluid retention. If somebody has high blood pressure, even if well treated, probably they were not involved in clinical trial. Then the trial was done, but can you imagine these patients, they are really good looking people. No hypertension, no diabetes, no heart, no heart attacks, nothing. And then the drug was approved. Also remember, these physicians who did the clinical trial were seasoned physicians. Generally speaking, physicians who are part of clinical trials and clinical research are more seasoned, more knowledgeable, more thorough than the regular Joe. Right. Well, it's time-consuming. You, you have to be in love with doing clinical research. And that's why people who are involved in clinical trials, meaning patients who are in clinical trials, they do better regardless on what arm of the trial you put them because they are being treated by kind of more select uh, elite group. Anyway, then the drug was approved. The family doc said, okay, now I can use Vioxx. Because when the FDA approved Vioxx, the FDA didn't say, well, you can only use it with creatinine and this, or you can only use it with well, They say, hey, it's approved for arthritis. All of a sudden, they start giving Vioxx to everybody. Well, remember, the marketing on that was huge. I remember going to Pfizer. No, it was a G- GSK. Merck. Glasgow. Oh, no. was it Merck? Was it Merck? It was it Merck. Uh, but I remember going to, it was like a casino, and you had all those Vioxx dollars, and they, they've really, really promoted the heck out of Vioxx. Yeah. So, so when, when, uh, when, when people start giving it to everybody, there is something we call the post-marketing observational studies. Uh, in fact, we are required, not by law, but by rules, that if a new drug comes to the market, and if something seriously happens, and I feel that that serious event was because of that drug, I have the kind of obligation to submit a notification to the FDA. 
And then they get all these notifications. If at the end of the day they look and said, oh my gosh, look at this. We had so far seven, eight people have heart attack within whatever weeks. And that happened. And there was a guy um, who was at the Cleveland Clinic who actually went and systematically looked into <clears throat> the patients who took Vioxx after clinical trial and so on. And the FDA, the powers to be, they were, felt that Vioxx was unsafe and they pulled it from the market. Well, and I, I know now, like we've talked before, that I do one-on-one consultations with pharma companies. And every time I sit down at the beginning of the, the phone conversations, they go through a whole spiel. Like, if any SAE, which is the... Serious adverse event. Is, happens to be detected or mentioned within our discussion, they have the legal obligation, m- obligation to report it. And I have to sign off on that. Right. So I think it came out of this kind of thing that's happened over the years. Now, why is this important? You brought the subject of Vioxx. <clears throat> because it's important that this was a drug who was, that was heavily marketed in the media. And yet, after uh, two or three years, the FDA, based on evidence and advice by experts that the drug should be pulled from the market. Um, and that's where... I don't sympathize with the Europeans or the Australians or Canadians. I don't think the government has any role in telling people if and why they can advertise, unless you believe in communist system or capitalistic system or a fascism. But our duty is to protect democracy and to protect the way of life. Our duty is to educate the public so that they are good stewards of their own interest. You know, when uh, I was reading an article, they did say that there have been several times that they wanted to try to ban the ads in the U.S., but it all comes underneath the free speech. It's the free speech the cons- lovers. The Constitution is our guardian yep. angel. And anytime anybody wants to f- flirt with the Constitution, they are doing, would be doing a historic disservice to us. Every single article in this constitution, every single article in the, in, the, in the amendments has a value to protect us from tyranny, from government control. In fact, even despite that, look what happens sometimes these days. FBI spying on us, lying about things, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, thank God we have the constitution. In fact, that's the reason why people like me decided to leave their land and come here is because of this constitution. So, yes, I don't like it when drug companies advertise. But you know what? I will actually fight for the right to do that because that's that's constitution. So this leads very well into my next uh, ad where the 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 Nexium and the way that they are marketed is all doctors, all doctors choose Nexium for their patients and choose it for themselves. So it kind of comes into okay, now you're you're allowing them to give free speech, right? Right. Do you really want them on behalf of what you, who you are? They're stating that you only believe in prescribing Nexium to your patients, and you would only take it yourself and not True. the generic. So, how do you feel about that free speech? Oh, well, I tell you what, Shelley. <clears throat> do, do they really say all doctors all or doctors. most doctors? All, all doctors. Believe me, I listen to it. They say all. Uh, that's. I mean. I think that they're doing themselves the service by saying all doctors because they they know better. 
here's the deal. God knows what they did. Um, probably their little survey or whatever. There are some laws in the books that protect the consumer from false advertisement. There is another one besides Nexium is Tylenol. Doctors prefer pain medication. That's the biggest lie in the world. And at least they haven't talked to me because... Advil gel cap is my favorite medication. Right. Because it works. There's even, uh, there's a whole array of advertisements out there that that they say, you know, most doctors or doctors prefer, it's all stated the same way and it all comes out the same way. Like, well, physicians only give it to themselves, so why wouldn't I want to ask my physician for it? What's funny, Shari, when you talk about Nexium, the advertising for Nexium before it became generic was really amazing. Um, and, and, you know, again, the public, again, it's our duty to educate the public. Um, when you look at Nexium and compare it to competing drugs like uh, Prilosec, Prevacid, and so on, really, 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 the bottom line is maybe one of them is faster than the other by 20, 20 25 seconds or minutes, right? Um, yet... The, the, the brand name one that's available in the market that has no generic, they have all the incentive to advertise and spend millions of dollars to compete with the, with the generic drugs. And part of that advertisement, they will make some statements, whatever. But the minute the drug becomes um, generic, they will stop doing that. And by the way, let me just distract you a little bit about a study done a few years ago. Um, just for the public to know that the, the new drugs are not always better than the old ones. The grass is not always greener on the other side. There was a study done by a bunch of oncologists, actually, <coughs> up in um, Wisconsin, I think. What they did was, they took the drugs that were approved by the FDA for various diseases, for diabetes, hypertension, cancer, arthritis, you name it. And they looked into all those drugs, and they looked for one thing. Within five years of the approval of the drug by the FDA, what happened? There's always the post-marketing where, where, where we discover things that we didn't know in the clinical trials. And that's what, when we alert the FDA and the FDA does analysis, and if they're convinced, what do they do? They put the black box warning that goes into the package insert. Black box, black box warning is bad news. And when you have more than one, it's a real problem. Well, these investigators discovered that within five years, 50% of the drugs approved by the FDA, within five years, either get pulled from the market or had serious black box warning. I know all the package inserts I pull. There's almost a black box on every single package insert. So the message to the public is, yes, when you watch TV and when you see this advertisement, especially for the new drugs, Really, really, your best source of information should be your doctor, especially now. If you go and double check in the internet, you will get 100 opinions. Um, you have to check the source. Yes. You have to check the source. There's, there's one last commercial I want to just touch on that really stretches, I think, the regu- the, the guidelines, and that is the, the Silent Night Pure Air. The Silent Night Pure Air, they claim. It's it's a system that cleans. Silent night, the, is that over the Christmas thing? No, no. It's Silent Night. It's, it purifies your air as you sleep. 
Oh. And they claim, I wrote these down. Yeah, it claims that it kills cancer. I saw that. It cures snoring. It kills the flu virus in your home. I saw that. That to me was totally uncalled for. That, to be honest with you, made me wonder where is the government agency that watches false advertisements. You're right. It said it it killed cancer. Basically, this is like an air filter, is it? I don't even know. I, I couldn't get back past all the, the it's claims It's an air that filter that's very quiet, and it, it eliminates snoring, it eliminates infections, and then it said it eliminates cancer. It's really this amazing. That's when I lost it. It's an amazing machine if actually it does what they claim it does. You're right. That's an extreme. Um, you know, they, they talk about ads being either therapeutic or toxic. That one is a toxic one. That's That should not be out there. Yeah, but we have rules of the books. Um Hey, listen, Charlotte, do you have to believe that ad? I mean, look at you. As soon as you saw it, you were kind of nauseated. How could you lie like this? Well, there is is a part of the Constitution that says the freedom to lie. No, there isn't. That's a joke. But you can make claims. But I think this might be bordering on the the false claim um, rules. And hopefully one day somebody will say, hey, guys, how do you claim? Now, they can claim like... If you have a smoker in the house, and if the filter eliminates all the tar and nicotine from the air, then you will be exposed less to those carcinogens, although, until today, we have no proof that passive smoking actually causes cancer. So, it's double negative. Yeah, I don't think that would come across very well in an ad. <laughs> no, People, the, no. The, the way that they do it, there's no. a lot being purchased. I have no doubt. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of stretched, that ad. Maybe they should be more careful in how they phrase it. But, hey, I'm sure they have lawyers who told them, do it. And if you get punished, then you pay penalty and get over with it, right? By that time, they have made enough money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that. You know, and, and, and one ad that just came to the forefront of my mind is the simplicity of some ads. They make it so oversimplistic. Just, for example, like Nutrisystem. You eat the food, you lose the weight. I'm always impressed by those ads. You can eat anything you want and still lose weight. And it shows these men Which just... Which planet are they living on, these yeah, people? Yeah, I, or, I it's, or, or the other thing that they proclaim a lot of times is, if you pay the $16, you're going to lose 16 pounds. Oh, really? A really? dollar per pound? Yeah. Have, have they heard it? It sounds like you've just laid out 16 bucks. You, you automatically just lost 16 Should I advertise my, my diet? Swear to God, 100% guaranteed it works. It's only five bucks. It's only five bucks, money back guaranteed. Right? Yeah. Everybody is anxious. What is this? We call the Gabriel diet. It's actually duct tape you buy from, uh, from Home Depot. Yeah. And, and it works. It really works. It works every time. Right? Except when you remove it. If you have mustache, it can be painful. Otherwise, you're good. <laughs> well, it's been enjoyable. Okay. Uh, um, but, Charlie, bottom line is, just quick thing. I think we have to respect people's right to advertise and do whatever they want. I think in a capitalistic society, free society that we have, in a free economic society, the thing that we should concentrate the the most on is public awareness, that people should be aware and educated about everything so that if you are more educated, you will be a little bit more analytical and a little bit skeptical about what other people say. That's my bottom line message for today. Well, as I said at the beginning of the show, this, this uh, episode, along with all of our other episodes, are available at GabrielCancerCenter.com. Uh, Gabriel Cancer Center is located in the heart of Bone Village, just south of Bone Village Mall. 
Yeah. And we're proud that we actually, we're part of this public education. I, I truly believe an informed patient is a better patient. In fact, an informed citizen is a better citizen, whether about their health or their economics or even their voting rights. You are more informed, you are a better citizen and achieve better results. Agree. Thank you.